invite you to open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. The title of this message is Strong in Grace. People struggle with grace. It's a hard word to define in some ways, but people struggle receiving grace. Grace is free, but it costs something. Grace is God's favor towards you. It's something you don't earn. It's something you don't deserve. But it cost him Jesus on the cross. And so Paul, 25 times in 2 Timothy, Paul gives Timothy an imperative or a command. And one of them is, be strong. Grace is free. We struggle with that. I normally use donuts as an illustration. Sorry, I didn't bring any. There's two major donut places in our area. One of them gives away free donuts. The other one gives away free donuts. At least that's what the sign says. But one of them, you just show up and say, I want my donut. They give you a donut. The other one has fine print. Free donut with the purchase of a small beverage. That's not free. If you've got to pay something, free it and free if you've got to pay something for it. Even one donut place would give you a, don- a donut for every A you've got on your report card. I would even say that's not free. You had to work for that. But why is it we struggle leaning in and leaning on grace? Sorry. Why is it we have a problem leaning into and on grace, and yet we don't have a problem going and getting a free donut? Do you deserve a donut? No. They give it to you because it's free. Do you deserve grace? No. Playing golf with a guy one time, I said, that putt's good. Pick it up. He said, that's, not, that's, that's outside the circle of friendship. <laughs> he said, I don't deserve that. I said, I know. It's great. That's the point. I'm giving you a free putt. Pick it up. And so if you don't hear me say anything else today, one of the things I want you to hear me say is this. Be strong in grace. As a believer, you've got to get grace. You've got to understand it. If you're a child of God, you have received grace. And you've got to live there. Let's look at this passage that Paul writes to Timothy, verses 1 through 13. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men, who will be able to teach others also. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life, so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. The hard-working farmer ought to be the first to receive his share of the crop. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel, for which I suffer hardship even to imprisonment as a criminal, but the word of God is not imprisonment. For this reason, I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus, and with it, eternal glory. It's a trustworthy statement. For if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. 
if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Let me give you a few ground rules. At the beginning of this message, some of you are going to sit there and say, wait a minute, this sounds like this is a message just for preachers, or this is a message just to men. This message is not just for preachers, it's for teachers, it's for anyone who's become a believer in Christ Jesus. You've been commissioned to share what God's done in your life with other people. So if you are a pastor, if you serve on staff in any way as a minister, if you're a Sunday school teacher, if you're a parent, if you're a teenager who's come to faith in Christ and your friends haven't, and when they come to faith in Christ, they lean on you for teaching, this message is for you. Also, the word Paul uses for man in this passage is the word anthropos. It's where we get the word anthropology. Anthropology, spelled with a Y, is the study of human beings. Anthropology with an I-E is high-priced clothing at the moment. So, this is a message for men and women. This is a message for people who've come to faith in Christ, but it's also a message for folks who've never trusted Christ as their Lord and Savior. Because it's a message about grace. Be strong in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul starts this verse by saying, You, therefore, my son, and if you've heard me preach before, you know what we do when we come to the word therefore. What is that? Find out what it's there for. So you look a few verses before this, and you come to the fact that Paul's been encouraging Timothy to not be ashamed, to endure suffering, to not be timid, Apparently, Timothy struggled with weakness and timidity and the fact he was young. And he used those at times as an excuse, and Paul's trying to build him up in the faith as a young man to not be timid, but be brave, be bold because of Jesus Christ. So in verse 15, Paul calls out some, some men in the church in Asia, and he basically says they have, they've walked away. Now, how would you like to have a letter in the Bible written about you and your name's in it? For all of eternity now, your name's listed there, and it's not a good thing. These two men had fallen away, had walked away. And then he mentions one who had been very faithful in the ministry, and you hear about him later on in the New Testament. So Paul says, you therefore, Timothy, based on the fact there's some who walked away, don't be one of those. Don't have your name listed here in a bad way. But first of all, be strong. It's, it's the word, the root of the word is that word dynamite, dunamis, powerful miraculous, be strong in grace. Grace is unearned favor. This is how you're strong. In case you think Paul's telling Timothy, Timothy, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Never exactly understood. I've seen bootstraps. I don't know how you pull yourself up by those. I think they're used to pull your boot on. But anyway, you've heard that saying. Or buckle up, buttercup. Paul could have said that. could have said, come on, Timothy, gut it out. Be a man. And that's the way a lot of people try to live the Christian life. And that's why a lot of people are frustrated living the Christian life because they're not leaning into grace. They're leaning into self. But Paul says, be strong, Timothy. But here's how you're strong. You're strong in the grace and you're strong in Jesus Christ. The same grace that forgave you, the same grace that saves you, is the same grace that empowers you. And yes, there's power in grace. It comes from grace alone. You can't do what Paul's about to tell Timothy to do if you haven't received God's grace and if you don't live there. And I'd ask you to raise your hand, but I don't want you to, but I have, I've done that before. You ever tried to live the Christian life apart from God? Isn't that crazy? And yet at times we say, all right, God, I got this. 
That's what Paul's telling Timothy. You're strong in the grace of Jesus Christ. If all you hear is be strong, you rely on yourself. If you get grace, you understand that without grace, there's no strength. And without Jesus, there's no grace. So the first thing he tells him to do is be strong. Then he tells him to pass on the gospel. He says, the things you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust. Commit these to others. Here's what Paul is saying, Timothy. You've heard the gospel from me. You've received the gospel from me. And not only from Paul, who else did Timothy hear the gospel from? Lois and Eunice, his grandmother and mother. Faithful, godly women who had passed on the gospel to Timothy. So Tim, Paul says, Timothy, you've heard the gospel. Here's what I want you to do. Entrust it to others. In fact, the word that he uses for entrust is the same word that Jesus uses on the cross when he said, into your hands I commit my spirit. As Jesus is dying, he says, I commit my spirit into your hands, Father. What is he saying? He's saying, I can trust God to take what I'm putting into his care. And so Paul says to Timothy, entrust these to faithful men, to faithful people, humans, that can teach the same things that you've been taught. It's what Jesus did. Jesus called 12 men. One of them turned out to be a, a, apostate. One of them didn't follow Christ. But that's what he did. For three years, he walked with 12 disciples, taught them, allowed them to see him in ministry. And that's a principle of discipleship. Paul placed this gospel alongside faithful men so that they would be able to teach others. Here's what's interesting. Paul, when he writes 2 Timothy, is in a dungeon in Rome. Paul had been in prison that was not as bad as the one he's in now. In fact, he's literally a short period away from being put to death. It may be a matter of days or weeks. He's writing from a dungeon, a hole in the ground. From a hole in the ground comes instructions to Timothy that Timothy is to entrust this to faithful men. So now 2,000 years later, you and I are sitting in church worshiping God. And maybe our lineage doesn't go back to Timothy, maybe not even go back to Paul, but it goes back to Jesus and the faithful men and the faithful women who carried the message to others. So my question to you is, what are you doing with the message? If you've been entrusted with the truth, the good news of Jesus Christ, I've got to ask you, how good is your good news? If you hear something good, don't you want to tell it to other people? That's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying to Timothy, entrust this message, this good news of the gospel. We don't just rely on the preacher to do it. If only thing, only people who are ever telling people good news is the preachers, that's, multiplic- that's addition. What Paul's talking about is multiplication. I want to show you how it works. If one person reaches one person this year, at the end of the year now there's two disciples. If those two disciples each reach one and disciple them for a year, how many you got at the end of that year? Four. Thank you. If you double that every year in 33 years, you'd have over 8 billion believers. There's not even that many people on earth. It's 7.7 billion. So in 33 years, what's significant about 33? Well, it's just the way the math works out. It's also how long Jesus lived on earth. In 33 years, the world would be reached for Christ if just one person would disciple one person this year and those two disciple one person to the next year. That's the principle of multiplication. That's what Paul is teaching Timothy. Timothy, take the good news and entrust it to people who are able to teach, not just preachers, but Sunday school teachers, youth leaders, children pastors, parents, 
friends. I was impacted more by teenage friends of mine who taught me about Jesus than I was the preacher on Sunday morning. And he was a good preacher. But what impacted my life was a college student who discipled me and taught me the truth of the gospel. So the first thought is pass on the gospel. And then comes what looks like the uh-oh move. Because the next thing he said to Timothy is endure hardship. Let me just tell you, if you are living the gospel and you are sharing the gospel, you'll face hardship. What will that hardship look like? Sometimes it'll look like you lost a friend. Sometimes it just looks like people talk about you behind your back. Sometimes people talk about you in front of your back. Right to your face. But sometimes people beat you up because of it. Sometimes people put you in prison because of it of it and there's some people who may lose their life when paul says endure hardship he's telling timothy that after having been beaten and thrown in a dungeon and he's literally a short time away from being put to death because of the gospel so when paul says to timothy endure hardship with me he's saying timothy join me in this and he gives him three illustrations he says timothy endure hardship he doesn't say timothy when it gets when it gets hard, just get mad. He doesn't say when it gets hard, just gripe about it. He doesn't say when it gets hard, run away from it. He certainly doesn't say when it gets hard, expect no suffering. He says Timothy is a good soldier. You know, I think I think Paul's able to look. You and I are not are not around soldiers the way Paul was. Paul was in the presence of Roman soldiers regularly the last part of his life. For years, he's been in prison. He'd get out, get put back in. And so he uses what he's looking at. He's looking at a Roman soldier, and he says, you know, I look at them. They've got weapons. They've got this long cloak on. They are fighting machines. They have been trained for one purpose, and that is to fight and to kill the other person. So Paul uses, first of all, an illustration of a Roman soldier. He says, no Roman soldier who wants to please his commander gets entangled. The word entangled is literally the word to weave. So he says, they don't allow their weapons to get all caught up in their cloak. So what is he saying to Timothy? He's saying, Timothy, just like a good soldier, you don't get all entwined and tangled up in everyday affairs, but you have a higher calling. And you're trying to please a commander, the one who's put you into service. So Paul's using a Roman soldier as an illustration. So I ask you, are we trying to please God or trying to please people? I promise you, if you live your life trying to make everybody happy, everybody's not going to be happy. At the end of the day, you probably won't be happy, and God's not going to be happy. So it's okay to say, I'm, I'm going to, above everything else, seek to please God above everything else. Not that I'm trying to tick people off, but I'd rather hear God one day say, well done, good and faithful servant, than the fact everybody likes me. Because I can't do that dance. That's hard. Make everybody happy all the time? It's impossible. So that's what Paul's saying. Timothy, try to please the one that's enlisted you, and that's God. You've come to faith in Christ like a soldier. Seek to please and serve the commander. And then he says, if anyone competes as an athlete, he doesn't win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. So Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, just like the athletes that you see who 
They had to sign a statement that they had trained for at least 10 months before the athletic event. They were disqualified if they couldn't honestly say, I've prepared. Today it would be like you've got to take a TED test, find out if you've taken steroids or not. Paul says, Timothy, to be an athlete, you don't win the prize unless you compete according to the rules. And here's the prize you got as an athlete back then. It would be a garland formed into a wreath that they would place on your head. Well done. Only one person received it. You won the race. We're looking for something better than that, something that's imperishable. That wreath's going to fade. It's going to die. It can't be passed on from generation to generation. You're going to die and go wherever you go without it. Paul says, just like an athlete, trains, prepares. See, everybody admires athletes. Everybody wants to be like you fill in the blank, whoever the greatest athlete is. But you don't want to train like that athlete. You don't want to sacrifice and suffer to be able to do what an Olympian does or a professional athlete does that's successful. And then he uses the illustration of the hardworking farmer hard-working farmer, literally to feel fatigue or to work hard, to sweat and strain to the point of exhaustion. Here's what Paul says. That farmer deserves to eat what he plants and what he's worked hard to get the weeds out of and make sure it's got water and make sure there's sunlight and all those, those kind of things. They ought to be first to receive his share of the prize. So let me make it practical for us. Are you enduring hardship? You may be. What about the people who minister among you? See, I can say this because I'm not your pastor. This isn't a church. I just preach here on, during the summer. I preach other places other times. But I want to encourage you to, to have, have empathy for the people, men and women, on your church staff that minister the gospel. Pray for them. Encourage them. Now, I'm not saying this just so I get a bunch of emails tomorrow, but I can tell you, a lot of times one of the worst days of the week for preachers is Sunday or Monday when they start second-guessing what they preached the day before. And it's great to get an email thanking you for the message you preached. Encourage those people. If they've got burdens, if you can take some of them off of them, help them. Don't be one of the ones that talk about them at lunch and have Rose Preacher at home. Pray. Encourage. In case you're wondering, Paul says, Timothy, join me in suffering. Did Timothy ever suffer? Yeah. We find out in Hebrews chapter 13, the writer of Hebrews says, hey, I don't know if you've heard or not, but Timothy just got out of prison. So Timothy, at the time that the letter of 2 Timothy is written, has not been incarcerated yet, has not been in prison for the sake of the gospel. But after Paul's death, he was. Endure for the gospel, and then last, he says, remember the Lord. Which is amazing to me that Paul would have to say to Timothy, remember Jesus. <laughs> you think, well, isn't that a no-brainer? How could you forget Jesus, the one that's given you grace, the one that's forgiven you? And yet look at the Old Testament. The Israelites, the children of God, lived a cycle of disobedience. Things would be going good, they'd start forgetting God. One of the things they start doing is looking at the gods that other people were serving and think, well, you know, I'm going to add that God to my God. And all of a sudden they're walking away from God. And tragedy strikes. And who's the first person they call out to? Oh, God, don't forget us. Well, you forgot God. Don't forget us. And what would God do? God would restore them. 
things will be going for a while. It may be years. Well, it is. Do the same thing over again. So if it's possible for the children of Israel to do that for thousands of years of Old Testament recorded history, the same thing happens with us. When things are going good, we can forget Jesus. When things are going bad, who do we cry out to? Paul says to Timothy, consider what I say. The Lord will give you understanding. Remember Jesus Christ. The word remember is in active voice. So it literally means continue to do this. Keep on remembering Jesus. How do we do that? Every day we start our day out by opening God's word and just saying, God, today's your day. God, today I remember I'm a child of the king, a joint heir with Christ. I've received grace. And there may be hardship today, but you're there with me. I'm never alone. Thank you, God. He says, remember Jesus. And then two things he said about him. Risen from the dead, descendant of David. Remember Jesus in his sovereignty and his divinity. Rose from the dead, but also in his humanity. Jesus was fully God, fully man. Rose from the dead, but he was a descendant of David. And that's why I suffer hardship even imprisonment as a criminal. And then I love this, but the word of God is not imprisoned. It, it was amazing that Paul was still reaching people from jail. I said this last week. There were times he was chained to a Roman guard. And so when Paul would be telling people about Jesus, and apparently Paul would dictate his letters to what was called an amanuensis, a scribe or a secretary, would write down what he's saying. Who's listening? That Roman guard. There were Roman guards who came to faith in Christ because of the witness of Paul. You and I have 13 letters of the New Testament that many of them were written from prison. The gospel is not in prison. The word literally means to be in chains or shackled. The message of the gospel is not shackled. It's also not dead. Hebrews says it's living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to pierce to the division of joint and marrow, able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The Word of God is alive. This Word is God's Word, and it is not imprisoned. If they put you in prison, they're not imprisoning God's Word. He said, in fact, for the sake of those who yet have come to faith in Christ, for the sake of the chosen, so that they may attain the salvation, and with it eternal glory, I suffer. I do what I do because of them. That's why. And in the last few verses, he says it's a trustworthy statement. I think Paul perhaps was reminding Timothy of what may have actually been a chorus or a song in the New Testament, but he gives them four ifs. We'll close with these four ifs. First one, he says, Timothy, if we died with Christ, past action with continuing benefits, if we died with Christ, we'll also live with him. The fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross, forgave us of our sins, the fact that he rose from the dead gives us hope that there's resurrection. Jesus didn't stay dead. The tomb is empty. And Paul says, if you died with Christ, you gave up yourself at the cross with Christ, you said, God, save me. Forgive me of my sin. I place my faith on Christ as my Lord and Savior. Then you may have died at the cross with Christ, but you will live forever with him. Second, if, if we endure, 
if we're not like the two men mentioned in chapter 1, if we endure, it indicates that we belong to him. The reason they went out from us is they weren't of us. But Paul says if we endure, we will reign with him. You know that's what's in store for you. You're going to reign with Christ. If we deny him, literally if we contradict or disavow or reject him, he will deny us. In fact, Jesus said that in Matthew 10, If you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. But if you deny me, if you say I don't have anything to do with him, then when it comes time, Jesus is going to say, Depart from me, for I never knew you. And then last, if we are faithful, he is faithful. Because he cannot deny himself. It is impossible for God to be faithful. He is trustworthy. He's faithful. And he never denies himself. That's a promise from God. So Paul says to Timothy, be strong. As I prepared this message today, I thought about the fact there may be somebody sitting here today who's already doing ministry. You're a vocational minister. Maybe that you're a pastor. You may be a children's pastor, a youth leader. I want to end the service a little differently. If you're, if you're serving God right now in vocational ministry, maybe part-time, maybe full-time, I want you to stand. Second question. I want you to remain standing because we're going to pray in a minute. Second, if you sense that God is calling you into full-time ministry, perhaps you're a teenager, perhaps you're an adult, and you sense God's calling you, to do what these men and women are doing. I want you to stand. All right. I'm going to close this in prayer, but would you get next to one of these people and just put your hand on their shoulders? You may mean you've got to stand up and go stand near somebody. I'm going to walk back here to Donna Noon. She's sitting by herself. Great golfer. Went to the Holy Land with me last year. Works with SCA. Let's pray for these people. I'm going to give you time because some of you aren't moving. Hello, this is this like work? This is live. You're not watching this on video. Let's pray for men and women in this congregation today who said, I'm serving God full-time right now or part-time, or I feel God's calling me into ministry. You pray as I pray. Father, thank you for men and women standing around this room. And Lord, I don't know all their stories. Some of them may be pastoring churches. Some of them may be serving SCA or Campus Crusade, Crew, or Campus Outreach. Or they're a worship pastor. Or they're a children's pastor. Or they're a youth pastor. Lord, you know these are men and women who are enduring hardship. And Lord, we all do. But God, there's just something special about people who've dedicated their lives to serve you professionally, vocationally. And so, God, would you today strengthen them? Would you encourage them today? That, God, you know exactly where you've placed them in ministry, and when it gets tough is when we lean into grace. Thank you for your grace. So, God, would you help us share the burdens that these men and women share and that are on them right now? God, help us also to pray for them diligently and dedicatedly, and Lord, also to encourage them. 
wrap your arms around them today and let them know they are yours and they're on mission for you and they can be strong in the grace of Jesus Christ because of Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Remain standing as we sing a closing chorus.